prayers. Oh God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. And this idea, you know, that jumped out because I got gray hair now and I, I can relate to that. God, don't forsake me because I want to communicate the might and the strength, the awesomeness of our God to the next generation. Amen? <clears throat> and uh, uh, that's been something that's on my heart to do, and, and we're doing it. But here we have today uh, Darlene Berger, who's been, been proclaiming the might of the Lord uh, for over 60 years. Uh, her and her uh, late husband, Walt, uh, uh, who passed away a few years ago, <clears throat> I still think of Walt at least several times a week. Oh. I'm serious. I, I, uh, <laughs> I believe it, you know. Glory to God! <laughs> Give me a Walt Burger kick. Um, and that they've dedicated their lives and, uh, and ministry to, to proclaiming, uh, the goodness of God to the next generation. And this whole thing about a generational church that, that, uh, our generation, we carry the responsibility to communicate that to the next. And it ties in with the, the heart of the missions that uh, the, the Burgers have done. The next psalm is David writing concerning his son, Solomon, who's to become king. But we recognize it's actually a prophetic declaration of the, the rule and the reign of the king of kings, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's really what David was writing about, um, the fulfillment of this scripture. And listen to the, the rule of how it's, how the, how Jesus' reign is described. It says, He will judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. The mountains will bring peace to the people and the little hills. I like how it says the mountains, you know, big and great things, but the little hills too. By righteousness, he will bring justice to the poor of the people. He will save the children of the needy. Amen. And will break in pieces the oppressor. It says, they shall fear you as long as the sun and moon endure throughout all generations. He shall come down like rain upon the grass before mowing, like showers that water the earth. And so the, the burghers and their ministry have, have you know, we, you speak of this as, yes, that's the future fulfillment when Jesus comes. But you know what? We partake in fulfilling the kingdom of Christ now by seeing justice come to the poor. You know, we are, we are Christ on earth today. We are His body. And our task, our purpose is to, 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 to see this happen. To see justice come to the poor. To see peace come to the people. To bring justice to the poor. To save the children of the needy. And what an honor we have, uh, today to have, uh, Darlene Berger who's been, been doing that. And, the poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere, Haiti, and it's so close to the most prosperous nation in the world, the United States, but there are people starving to death down there. And, and the political system and the culture is so broken, but it's going to take people going in and saving the children and having those children grow up with the knowledge that there is a Father in heaven that loves them and that there is a hope beyond what they're natural eyes can see and uh, and when they uh, grow up and become influential in their society that's how change happens you know another mission by the 
the military is not going to save Haiti, but it's when the when the gener- when a generation of righteous uh, children become a generation of righteous young men and women that can actually change the fabric of that society, and the hope for them is Christ. And so, would you welcome Darlene Berger, who is a minister of Christ to the nation of Haiti, and give her a big hand? She's going to tell us some some good things. Thank you, Pastor. I thought he was doing fine. How about you? <laughs> appreciate you this morning. Appreciate this church. As I walked in in the early service, I looked at uh, Jan, who's with me today. My daughter-in-law's home, being grandma now. She they have a new great or they have a new grandbaby. I have a new great grandbaby, and so she's babysitting and couldn't come with me. And Jan, my friend, her and her husband are with, uh, with the church there and. New York, and uh, she goes to Haiti with me. So today, in, in this week, she's been having a different experience, traveling in Michigan for the first time. But I said to her, what a precious anointed spirit I feel as I come in. What a spirit of peace, and I thank God for that. Um, is there anyone that has never heard me or fault before today? So you all know that our ministry started, past ministry started back in the late 50s when my father-in-law got a vision to go, uh, actually after having gone to hear T.L. Osborne. And the concept of T.L. Osborne was to go in and train the national to go to his own people. He can eat the food, drink the water, sleep in the beds. He understands the culture. That's the big one. And... uh minister to his own people. So from the late 50s on, we've been doing that. And we have like, in Haiti, we have like 21, 20, it's between 21 and 23 churches. And it depends on which one of the board that you ask. And <laughs> so anyway, and it changes from time to time. But in Mexico, we have well over 50 churches. It's totally under the Mexican control, board control. And in Dominican Republic, I believe there's seven. There could even be more now, but uh, I believe there's seven there. All of the countries are registered under the name of World Evangelistic Crusades, so we're registered in four countries. But I only work in Haiti now, and uh, the rest of them have wonderful leadership, as does Haiti, and we're still... <clears throat> training and working with a new generation in Haiti to lead the country. They can do so much more than I can do, or even they need our help. Yeah. They need uh, our training, but they need to do their own thing. They need to have their be their own pastors, and they are they have callings just like we have callings. And uh, it's amazing to see as they grow in the Lord. I was so blessed this morning as our sister talked about sanctification. It's such an important thing in our lives. The one thing I've survived with since Pastor and even before, but since Pastor Walt went to be with the Lord, is. Every morning waking up and the very first thing I do is talk to the Lord. Doesn't matter how I feel, I thank Him for everything because I look around me and I realize how blessed I really am. And uh, I've learned to have that time alone with Him. And no matter, sometimes there'll be a lot of things pressing and I think, no, it'll all come out at the end of the day if I spend the time with the Lord, go into His Word, spend the time. It doesn't have to be hours. It just has to be take that time alone with Him where you lay everything else aside and it makes a total difference in your life. And uh, I've survived with that through any problems or anything that I've had to go through. My father-in-law and mother-in-law primarily worked with uh, building churches and encouraging and training nationals. 
Pastor Walt, actually, was always an evangelist. And so when he went there, he was always ministering and teaching and working with them. And he he began going there. I think his first trip was in 79. Mine was 81 or 82. I've shared before the first trip I went, I said, well, to myself throughout the trip, the one good thing about this is I never have to come back. And, uh, you know, it was a total culture shock. And uh, I went home with that intention and... Uh, then the next time I went to Dominican Republic, uh, at that time particularly, Haitians were taking their children and they would just leave them there in hopes that somebody would take them because they knew that they couldn't feed them and they couldn't take care of them. And um, the streets would be full of kids trying to be your guide. And we were walking down the street in Dominican Republic. And I had kids yelling at me, they're going to be my guide for a few cents a day. And we were heading for the town square uh, all of the countries, Latin countries, always have town squares. And we were going down. At that time, you could see Columbus's bones, which I wasn't really interested in. But everybody told me I had to go see Christopher Columbus's bones because he actually supposedly, I guess he started there when he came to the his first landing. And then somehow he was either buried there or they have bones that they think are his. And so we don't know, and I really don't care. But anyway, God bless Christopher. But... Uh, <laughs> As I was going along, I can remember it like it was yesterday. It was siesta time, and the stores were all closed. And there was this one little store, and there was a doorway went in like so. And laying in that doorway was a little child, a little boy, probably maybe eight, nine years old. I don't know. He was absolutely in total rags. The bones were hanging out of his arms, and you could see his little legs as he was laying on his side with his head on his arm. And he lifted his little head, and he looked straight into my eyes. And I know that was by no chance. I know that God had that ordained. And Walt saying, come on, darling, come on. What are you doing back there? And so I'm, I go on down the street, and I'm crying. He says, what is wrong? And I said, honey, I just saw. Because when this child, he looked into my face, and then he dropped his head. And I know that he died right there. I have no question in my mind. He went, his body went limp. He went totally lifeless. And there was nothing I could do to help him. And as I went on down the street, I'm crying while saying, what's wrong? What's wrong? If you don't stop, those kids won't bother you because he thought I was crying because these kids were bothering me. I said, no, 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 I'll tell you. So then we went down and we sat in the park. And he said, I explained to him, I just saw a child die. He said, how do you know? And I told him. He said, okay, well, we'll go back. And we won't see Christopher's bones today. We'll go back and look for the child. And so we went back and looked for the child. And we went up. And the way the streets, they run like this. And we never could ever find that location again. So I went home. And in my heart, that was just, I can't explain to you. But it just would not leave me alone. Then one day I was writing a newsletter. And I said, God, what is this? I can't stand this. The pain I feel from seeing that child. And he said, it wasn't just that child. It's dying, hurting humanity. And I realized that there was more, that there was a call in my life to work. And I always had known since I was a child. I'd been ordained when I was like 20 or 21. But uh, I had always known that. 
there was a call in my life from my time I was 10 years old. But then I knew that it was to work with children, so I began to try to work with children in Dominican because you got to know I didn't want to go back to Haiti. And uh, they had been putting Haitian kids in jail, and they still do that. They have, in fact, I just was reading the other day about a jail ministry in Dominican where they go in and minister to the children in jail. And um, they do that to keep them off the streets because it's a tourist country now. I did that a few times, worked with some people down there, and then uh, through circumstances I ended up found myself in Haiti again, and the circumstances being my husband insisted I go. <laughs> and, and so he said, it's not going to be like it was before. You're going to really enjoy it. Have I shared this with you before? Uh, you're, you're really going to enjoy this because um, we're going to be in an American hotel out in Gonaive. Now, I'd never been to Gonaive. I didn't have a clue what Gonaive was like. You don't want to go there. But anyway, uh, we, got the, we got there. First of all, we flew into Dominican and spent some time there. And then we flew across and uh, they lost my luggage. And so we had to, that, I had that hassle. And uh, in fact, I had that happen a couple of times. They find it, but it takes a little time. So we, we did end up getting my luggage. We went out now on a five hour trip out to Gonaive. We get there, it's their convention, and they're in a little church, but it's out, they're having this service outside because there's too many people, several hundred people. And we have convention from probably two or three o'clock in the afternoon to midnight. And they did serve food. Uh, I had a little problem with it because some of it, they eat goat meat and they don't always get the hair off. And, uh, yeah, and the chicken, eh, you know, but you learn to eat. What I have learned to eat when I have to eat in that kind of a situation. I eat the beans and rice. You mix them together. They're not bad. And uh, so at midnight, I kept saying to Walt, shouldn't we go get our hotel? Shouldn't we? Darling, please don't worry about it. That's, that's a trifle. We're going to get there. You're going to see it. everything's going to be fine. So at midnight, we leave the meeting, and now they're putting up the chairs. People are all going to sleep on the floor. They have no worry. And everybody just brings something, and they sleep there. And so we go to our hotel with the pastor from New York, a Haitian pastor from New York. And when we get there, there's a big chain across the front of the, fa- the gate, and it says, hotel's closed. So uh, I got a little nervous. <laughs> now, the other thing I forgot to tell you, it was, uh, what is it they have? Um, Mardi Gras. Never go there in February at Mardi Gras time. But it was Mardi Gras, and they're all out. I guess they're drunk. I don't know what they were on, but wow. And you've got all the witch doctors and everything going on, doing their thing. And uh, so Pastor Mark from New York says, I think I know more. There might be another hotel. And he takes me to the hotel, takes us down to the hotel. And now, you know, it's like 1231 o'clock and they get this sleepy headed Haitian kid out of bed and he comes down and he lets us in. And uh, I said, I want to see the sheets to see they're clean. It was a horrible place. And so I looked at it and it didn't even have sheets on the bed and the mattress you did not want to see. But I knew I had to stay there. So I had him get sheets. We finally communicated it and we made the bed. And we slept there for the next three or four days. And uh, it was quite modern. I have a pastor who likes five-star hotels, and I've never been able to take her out there. But <laughs> but anyway, uh, they don't always have, pardon the expression, toilet seats, and they never have shower curtains. And there was so much. I got to sleep by the wall where the roaches were. <laughs> 
<laughs> up and down. <laughs> but we had them spray form. It got a little bitter as we went on. But I just want you to know, you know, if you ever think that this is a vacation. I used to have people say to me when I'd come home, because I was working at the time for Food Bank, San Diego Food Bank. they say, how was your vacation? It was wonderful. <laughs> well, I'm sharing that to tell you that. Uh, a couple of days went by and Walt said, uh, we're going... First of all, I have to share this. You'll love it. <laughs> I'm very animal. I love animals. Uh, you're uh, the lady that I forget her name now, Ken's aunt. Her and I always talk about our dogs. And But anyway, there was this adorable little black goat. And they had him tied out by the fence. And I thought, isn't that nice? They're feeding him and giving him water. And they don't always do those things there. And I thought, that's really, really nice. And I would go out and pet him and everything. And so... Got up one day and the goat was gone. And um, then we had dinner. <laughs> and it was goat meat and there was still a little black fur on some of it. I know. And so that day, he'd, anyway, one of the days, Walt said, come on, we're going. I want to show you something. I want to show you my dad's first mission. So we went on this trip, which he did not explain to me before we went. There was Pastor Walt and uh, this pastor from the city in the front seat. And uh, there was myself and another pastor friend of I. We got the back seat, and there were no springs in that car. And uh, so now we go out, and they also forgot to mention there was no road. It's just a trail. That's the truth. There still is no road out there. The only road there is is what the trucks make. And at that time... You were still, you would go out for an hour and then you would wind around this cliff. And the, on one side was this mountain and this little narrow road. On the other side was the ocean. It was beautiful, but it was a long ways down there. And every time I ever went there, I was really concerned about the car going off into the ocean. Well, later on, unfortunately, we weren't there. That whole thing caved in. So now we go a different way. But when we arrived out there, it was there was something about it, even though all the pain and stuff and all the total misery. When you're an American living like we live and you go into that culture and everything is like it is, it's really shock. And we got to this little village, and God bless them, they were waiting for us. And those little children, some of them didn't have the right clothes on. And, I mean, you know, they didn't have all their clothes on. And... Uh, you could tell they were suffering from malnutrition. They had orange-colored hair. And I was standing at the edge of it all while was ministering. And Lynn, this pastor friend of ours, came over to me. And he said, Darlene, we could really make a change here. I said, Lynn, how? Look at all of this. He said, one child at a time. One child at a time. And one of those children... Well, graduated 13 months from Bible school and become a pastor in LaPierre. Concerning LaPierre, it's a village that you've, if you get our newsletters, you've heard me talk about it for a while. In fact, we put a well. You heard me talk about the well we were going to do. We put a well out there, I don't know now, maybe three, four years ago, and because there was no water in the area, no drinking water in the area. And that's their primary source, especially this year, because they didn't get any rain early on when they really have their, usually have their rainy season. And so, 
before they would have water that would come down from the mountain and made a little stream. It's just a little narrow stream. They'd take baths, wash their clothes, and carry it back home to eat, drink. And, um, of course, many had a lot of sickness. And so we saw the need before we did anything else to put the well in. And um, then we have two or three of our pastors that have gone in. The young man that will be our pastor, well, he's 31. I mean, some of you wouldn't think that was young, but to me, that's really young. I still call them kids. And uh, he has gone there, and along with his uncle, who's also a pastor and another pastor, they have a group of people there that have been saved, and they're waiting to have a church. And as I have shared before, they uh, this church will be... A school as well, and it'll be a feeding station for, hopefully, for the children on a daily basis. That will take a miracle to be able to do all that. But I have found out that God has a plan, and what's really impossible for me, he works out, and he, while I'm concerned about it, he's working it all out. And when he shows me his plan, I say, that's really a good idea. I didn't think of that. And... Uh, He has ways of supplying that are beyond my ways and beyond my thinking, and I'm trusting him to see that done. LaPierre, out of LaPierre, we have, I can't remember now, I think it's three of their orphans that are living in our orphanage. When I, that was another thing that went, really, I took a lady from the States with me, name is Sharon, and Sharon has never gotten over LaPierre, because when we went there, there was a group of people that met us, and I don't even never know how to express it. They didn't look normal because they were suffering so much from malnutrition. And the children all had hair even falling out and little fat bellies. And they were just so, so poor. We did. We have done what we can do. But uh, that, of course, that generation now is probably pretty much passed on because they don't live that long in that area because of the illnesses and things. The only primary food they have, they used to have salt mines there. and But the only primary food that they get from the land there, because they can't even raise gardens. Most of our villages raise gardens. But um, they go down to the ocean in the mornings, and they will take their little fishing boats out and go out and fish. And then if you have anything to trade, they will barter with you, and that way, that's the way they live. And so that's the whole, a lot of the communities in Haiti, that's the only way they exist. If you have something I need and I have something you need, we will trade. When we send things to the children uh, at the home, when we have things, we get things we can't use. We either send them out to the villages, which is what we primarily do. But if it's something that doesn't even relate to the villages, then we have them take it downtown and trade. We have shoes coming if the shoes aren't the right size and somebody needs shoes. They trade a pair of shoes for the shoes that are the right size. So it works, and uh, thank God for that. The ministry started out as totally an evangelistic ministry, and it's evolved into being not only evangelistic, but into building churches. We have many churches and missions throughout the country. I have visited many of them. Some of them are very, very poor, especially when the earthquake and then the hurricanes come through. They, their little buildings aren't built that well, way, that well, and they knock them out. Uh, the ones will just come through, and they don't put the rebar in them, so the blocks come down, and then they use what they can. They rebuild gradually. We've helped several pastors, which we don't 
don't always have time to go into all of it. We've helped several pastors with rebuilding since the earthquake. Whenever God gives us extra money and he lays somebody on my heart, I send to them for their building. I want pictures back, and they'll send me back a picture. They did another wall, or they did this, or they did that. But we're not able to do that too often because, as you can imagine, 31 children uh, have a lot of needs. We have the school needs, which everybody pays to go to school in Haiti. And, of course, you buy your books, you buy your um your uniforms and just about every year it seems like we've needed new uniforms this year some of our older children will be going into upper classes so their schooling is more expensive and it goes on and on and then you have illnesses and uh, you have to have doctors fortunately really with the amount of children we have we've had very little problem with uh, having to have them in hospitals we did have five of our kids in the hospital from cholera and then uh, one of from uh, what is it malaria and she's been in twice that's just been very recent we are not able to give them all vitamins when we have vitamins donated we give them vitamins to keep them build up also i want to share with you that in the home we have 31 children and we have uh, we have three uh, three ladies that live in the home. We have one that comes in every day and does the laundry. We have uh, three students also. We have two older boys that are both, one is in the uh, process of getting his doctorate and ministry, and he will be leaving us to begin a Bible school probably in a year or two and uh, start a new Bible school. He has a Bible school there in the country that's going to sponsor him to do that. And then um, the other boy will be going that I mentioned uh, Livingston will be going out to LaPierre. That's where his heart's at. And he wrote me a letter not long ago. I would have thought I would have brought it to share with you because he shared in it how God gave him a dream and he knew that that was his calling in life and how he was willing to work under his uncle. And uh, because his father died so young, his uncle has had a lot of influence in his life and he's a good man. He's a college teacher. He's also a pastor. And so he will be leaving us in time. So in the meantime, this year we brought a new lady in a few just a couple months ago she's come from one of the churches she's probably i gather in her late 50s early 60s maybe i probably closer to her late 50s and uh, she's working out very very well they're happy with her everybody seems to be getting along and then we have mrs uh, j uh, joseph she's been with us since the beginning and she raised seven kids of her own and uh then, of course, Estelle, who was raised in Northridge herself and will be a nurse in another year. I told him in the first meeting today, I said, everything's happening in 13 months. Everybody's graduating in 13 months. So in 13 months, we'll have big changes, and we're trying to get prepared for those big changes. And I'm running out of time. I've got five minutes. It's kind of like the 13 months. <laughs> I appreciate everything that you guys do for the ministry it's amazing to me, and God bless you. Some of you sponsor children. A lot of you, I, I know, give in your missions offerings. Your church is faithful every month, and your church also, your youth and your children sponsor. Who is it your youth sponsors? Do you know offhand? I don't know Okay. Chrislyn, and I'm trying to think who your youth sponsor. Yeah. Anyway, uh Everybody is faithful, and I appreciate that. This morning between services, I, what was his name um, that gave us? Every year you have a... Doug, 
Doug, every year he and his wife go to yard sales and then also pick up new things. And when I come, they fill my trunk with things for Haiti. And so I'm taking back girls' clothes, boys' clothes, and some shoes. And we really need them. Um, our director in the home just told me last week, he said, Darling, we really, really need everyday clothes for the kids and church clothes and whatever. Of course, they have to get uniforms for school. So we thank you for everything. We thank you for your pastors and their vision and uh those of you today that have problems, I want to know that God sees them. He's got them in his hand. And you may not see anything that he's doing, but he's working on it. He's never in a hurry. And uh, you may not know when he comes, but you'll know when he's been there. And he always has an answer, which I remind myself on a regular basis for everything that you need. God bless you, Pastor. Great. Wonderful. Thank you, Darlene. Wow, what awesome work she's doing. So cool that we get to be a part of that. All right, I'd like to highlight some announcements. Um, If you got a bulletin on the way in, first off, I just want you to know there's this cool little card on the side here called the Connection Card, and that's how you can stay in touch with us. Um, So if you have a change of contact info or uh, prayer requests, there's people that pray for those every week. If you write that on there, they'll be praying for you this week. And also testimonies of things that God's doing in your life. We want to hear about them. So go ahead and fill out that card. And if you're new...